0: True Multifamily is an On Air Brands production and a proud member of the On Air Brands Network.
1: This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I am here with John Kasman. John, thanks so much for coming on the show today.
0: Hey, Justin. Thank you for having me today, man. Excited to talk to you.
1: I uh, We met uh, almost a year ago now in person, and uh, it's been quite a crazy uh, 2020, obviously, and uh, excited to to get to to chat with you today. So, Looking forward. To yeah,
0: going. we met a week before the world shut down. Yeah, so. That was it. I
1: remember like people were talking like, what's going to happen? Is this a thing or is this going away? And, and boom, <laughs> that's it. So, uh, you know, John, uh, let's just jump right in, please tell the audience who you are, uh, what you do, and uh, we'll just go right from there.
0: Yeah, so, you know, my background is in marketing. You could think of me as a marketing and multifamily professional, so I've basically melded my marketing experience with my multifamily experience to help people understand how to run a business. You know, I do it for myself, my partners, both active uh, operators, as well as my limited partners, my investors that we work with. And I teach other people how to do the same thing. You know, any business is really about marketing when you think about it. There's uh, when you think about the growth. So if you can understand how to communicate, how to grow, how to get your message in front of people, um, then you are a great marketer. And that's really what it boils down to. Outside of that, though, just to, to give you some more context, um, I was working in corporate America. So I was working in advertising and marketing corporate America for about 15 years, and I worked at General Motors. So I worked there from 2007 to 2011, and right around you know, about a year or so after I started we started having some financial issues, and uh, those financial issues, you know, were started making headline news and yep. uh, led to, you know, our company becoming pretty much the face of the economic collapse. And in that moment, it really crystallized to me that no matter what success I was having in my own individual career, it could get snatched away from me by means that I had no control over, and that really bothered me. So I wanted to transition into a role or into things where I had more control. I wanted passive income. I wanted to, you know, have more say in what happens. And real estate afforded me that. So I began investing a couple years later and uh, started with a two-unit building that I house hacked, meaning I lived in one unit, rented out the other. I uh, bought a three-unit building two years later. And then um, I went to a commercial property. I actually refinanced that first property and bought an eight-unit building. And from there, I said, okay, this is great, but I'm still using all of my own money. And I can't buy another property until I save another you know, six figures, basically. And I wasn't solving the real issue. The whole reason I got into this was to insulate myself from potential financial ruin if I lost my job. And I was making money, I had some good equity, but I didn't have enough cash flow coming in to replace my day, my day job, um, nor did I really have a plan to do it because I was just saving as much as I could to go buy another property. And I just realized there had to be a faster way to do it. Um, so started connecting with other people, learned about apartment syndication. And the next deal we did was actually 192 units. Now wow. I'm a general partner in that deal. It's not you know a deal I did by myself, I'm a general partner, but nonetheless, that opened up my eyes to the possibilities that you could go out there if you approach this as a team sport. And multifamily investing is a team game. I don't care if you're buying a property with all your own money, you still have teams, right? You still have your broker, your lenders, your property managers, you still have a team. So understanding how to control the team or how to lead the team, that's gonna make you make or break your success. So that really kind of took us down our pathway. Today, we're partners in around 900 units um, and continuing to grow that portfolio.
1: Wow, so much uh, growth there. And I I wanna take a few steps back and, and just dive down into that a little bit. Um, and don't let me forget because we want to get into the marketing for sure. But you said, you know, you had an eight unit, you know, obviously looking at the cash is at some point we all sort of look around and say, okay, my money's tied up, you know, I can calculate how much I'll get back and we're looking at years, months, years, decades, who knows, right? So how do I get to that next level? How do I go buy the 190 unit apartment complex uh, with what I'm making. So you said you're a general partner on that. Can you just explain, you know what that means to be a general partner on that project?, uh, what you brought to the table? Is that something you're still working with? You mentioned the team, so who else is involved? Just give us some color on on everything involved in that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, just to to get to help people understand the mindset because this was not something, even when I bought that eight unit, if you would have told me, this would be my next step. I would have laughed in your face and said, "That's ridiculous. It doesn't even make sense, right?" <laughs> I couldn't even fathom that. I didn't even know people were doing that. You know what I mean? I just it wasn't a real thing to me. All I wanted to do was go from an eight unit that I owned a hundred percent with all of my own capital to maybe a twenty unit where I own fifty percent of it, and I got somebody else to put up a good chunk of that capital. That's yeah. all I was trying to do, right? So to, to scale to something massive like that, um, took a, took a while to one wrap my head around the concept Two, to picture myself operating in a larger deal like this. And then three, to have an opportunity where it made sense for us to move forward. So that was, uh, uh, 192 units down in San Antonio. We partnered with, uh, another group that we had gotten to know really well and, we basically built a relationship with them where I felt very comfortable moving forward. They were like-minded. Um, they were a little bit of further ahead of us at that time where they kind of had a pretty nice size personal portfolio and were ready to scale up. They were—they had been a general partner on other deals as well. And they were ready to kind of be lead operators on the deals they were, they were looking at. And we just felt a lot of comfort. We love the market, so we love Texas. Obviously Texas is one of the hottest states in the country and has been for seven or eight years now, if not more. Yep. Um, so we love that aspect of it. And with my background in market marketing, market research was something I was, you know, pretty pretty strong at. So looking at the demographics, understanding where the growth um, trajectories were, uh, migration patterns, just really understanding all those things, I knew that this was a market I wanted to be in. I'm not gonna invest in Texas. There are a lot of people in Texas to compete with. Me going down there by myself right. made no sense. So I was not going to try to buy, buy property in Texas uh, by myself. However, having another operator who lived in Texas, who were, were building relationships with the brokers that were touring deals every day and looking at opportunities, for them to be the lead, find one that they finally like and bring us on board, that made a lot of sense for us. And ultimately, gave me some comfort because I was able to come in as a partner where my value was still there. I could tap into my marketing background and leverage some of that value, but I wasn't responsible for 100% of the execution. So that was a great way to kind of, you know, get the ball rolling. I mean, yes, I have my experience, but 192 units is a little bit larger than an eight unit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just just by, you know, 180 six units 184 units so just a small (laughs) difference in unit size right Right. um but nonetheless the biggest thing was really just having that team and I think before it was really me kind of playing coach and quarterback and offensive line and wide receiver (laughs) and uh you know I mean I I played pretty much all the roles to truly being in a team environment where there are multiple general partners multiple vendors that we spoke to, and a lot of investors that we could talk to and bring into the deal. So uh, being a general partner, my role is really to uh, be a liaison between um, the investors and the operators. It's also to assist the operators with marketing. That's everything from market research, um, understanding the comps that are happening, what are our our competitors doing in the marketplace, um, what incentives are out there right now. Um, what kind of, uh, renovations are driving rent premiums. So I wasn't driving to construction, but more so, right. Hey, you know, should we be thinking about a dog park or some other amenity, you know, taking a look at those things and understanding the impact it can have. And then quite frankly, just being a a partner, you know, just being a sounding board. So we can Mm -hmm. sit down and as we go through our our monthly conversations, understand what's happening with the property. Hey, did you try this? You know, I spoke to someone else and you know, they're getting this result. Did you consider this? Maybe we should look into it. Um, Because I host a podcast as well. I speak to multifamily investors all the time. So I'll hear about an idea or a strategy that someone is having success with. And I can bring that to my partners and say, hey, you know what? I just talked to such and such. They're doing, for instance, um, short-term rentals. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of years ago, short-term rentals. If you were to take a couple of units out of your, you know, if you've got 192 units to take three or four, convert them to short-term rentals, um, you may be able to see a crazy growth in your NOI because these are renting at premiums that are basically three times the amount you would get in a, a normal monthly monthly uh, apartment. So there are things like that, strategies like that, that I would bring to my operating partners. And um, you know, for me, it's a matter of making sure I have the right partners who will listen to these ideas and vet them and implement the ones that make the most sense.
1: Well, and that's sort of where I want to take this conversation because, you know, I think a lot of our audience is probably closer to the eight-unit version of John Casman than the current version of John Casman. But, of course, you know, a lot of them want to get there. And so they're faced with a decision, right? Do I go by the 20-unit, a 40-unit? Do I keep doing what I'm doing? Or do I join a team? And I know that you and I, you know, have both joined teams and, and have had a lot of success with that. But how, how does someone, you know... John Kasman with eight units or, or any of our listeners, you know, in that range, how do you approach someone that's going to go by 192 unit complex? That's, that's got a track record and show them that you can be a valuable member of the team. What is it that, how do you position yourself? How do you have that conversation um, to show that value?
0: Well, you know, um, that's a really good question. Um, I would start by and I'll start with my story and then I'll, I'll answer your question directly. That was never my intent to keep you in, to keep it, you know, in mind, right? My intent mm-hmm. was not, hey, you know what, let me go show these guys that I could be a great partner. Like that wasn't the intent. So, for me, it was more organic. You know, I met these guys at a conference. We got to know each other over 7 months. We talked multiple times, and as a matter of fact, what ended up happening is when I launched my podcast, Um, i had them on or i had one of them on as a guest and we just were catching up hey what you're working on i'm working on this and i said oh that sounds great and for me i realized an opportunity where i could add value potentially and it could add value to me because we were having a hard time finding deals in our market that made sense for us and the investors that we were working with i liked that market a lot and i knew that i couldn't invest in texas so i wasn't going to try to invest in texas by myself so i just simply volunteered to say listen I would love to partner if you find something that makes sense. You know, I'd love to come on board. I can help with this, this, and this. I had already demonstrated my value through, you know, the months of conversation. And quite frankly, by creating a platform where I invited them to be a guest. And that's a great, powerful tip. If you're starting out, add value to someone else, you know, and my value, the value I added initially was, hey, I'm watching this podcast. I want you to be one of my first guests. Um, you know the the first guest, those episodes, they they get a lot of exposure, so yeah. that can be a really big value add for someone. Now, again, I didn't do that with the intent of impressing this person, so we could be partners. I had no idea what he was working on. It was just relationship building, and I would say that's the biggest thing. Now, if you're further along in your own internal discussion and you've made a decision to say, hey, you know what, I want to be a general partner on a larger apartment deal, or I want to get a mentor, or I want to, you know, have someone help me or partner with me on a deal. What I would strongly suggest you do is you gain clarity of how you can be of value to someone else. Do not just randomly tell people that, you know, hey, you know, I'd love to help or, you know, yeah, do you need help with anything? I'm, I'm free. I've got some time. Tell people specifically what it is you do well. And then, Demonstrate that capability for them. You know, if if I were going back, if I were to say, hey, you know what? um, I'd love to help with the marketing. I would actually develop a rough marketing proposal or I would do a market analysis or demonstrate some market research and send it unsolicited. Hey, you know, I was doing a deep dive of the San Antonio market, uh, look through these five different reports and here's the opportunities that I see based on the market data. You know, so good. Such
1: gold right there. Uh, I, I agree. You know, I, I give that advice a lot. And, you know, frankly, someone will come up and say, hey, let me know if you ever need any help. And that's pretty much the worst question I can I can receive because I don't know you. I don't know what you're very good at. And I don't know how you can add value. But someone drops a uh, market study on my desk and says, hey, I know you're in this town and, and here's what I'm seeing. And here's how I can add value to you. Now, now we are going to have a very serious conversation because you've, you're demonstrating value uh, right off the bat. Um, uh, so I, I, love that you did that. I love that you um, showed value in the podcast. You're giving them a platform, right? Everyone wants to talk about themselves, especially if they're doing deals and raising money. You know, there's always a, a something they need to get out, a message they need to get out, right? Everyone want, wants to be heard. So you're giving them a place where they can do that. So even if nothing else, you created a platform you said, Hey, I value you. I value the conversations, the relationships that we've built. And I want to help you by, by featuring your message uh, as one of my first shows. So it, it can be very simple as that. Uh, it can be very in-depth, there's, there's a hundred ways to do it. And this is just one, you know, marketing slice for it, but for anyone listening, figure, figure out where you can add value. What is your superpower? What can you do? Maybe you live in a market where there are some, someone doing a lot of apartment deals and you can go be boots on the ground and hey, drove your property, saw there's all this extra trash over there, right? Maybe there's other ways that you can add value. It doesn't have to be marketing. So I love, you know, that real estate allows us to be so creative. And there's so many things that have to have to be done um, that, you know, there's always an opportunity for us to to add value and, and to bring in partners that can add value as well.
0: Yeah. Let me give you a real example. This is, I mean, literally as we're recording this about 15 minutes before I, you know, we hit go. So literally the call I had before this. Um, I was on with one of my mentors. And I gave him basically a list of things that I thought he could be doing. Um, And places where he could make generate some extra capital places for him to take his brand and his business and to grow. And I didn't I didn't ask for anything. I didn't want anything. It's just again, you have to come from a good hearted nature. What I would say is, You actually have to take the action. If you want to add value to somebody, add the value. Don't tell them, hey, I can help. Hey, let me do this. Hey, no, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Just show up and do it. You know, I used to run or still run a meetup, but we haven't been in person obviously in a while. And um or people used to ask me all the time, hey man, I'd love to help you with the meetup. I'm like, cool. I don't for me to think about how you can help me takes too much of my energy. And if I knew if I knew what I needed help with, I would have been more proactive in finding that solution. So if you really wanna help me, just jump in and help. Get there early, set up the tables, you know, get the that's sign-in exactly sheet, it. <laughs> just show me that you can help. And then then you'll be a part of the team. Like, hey, you know, this guy helps every week. What, what do you need? Okay, now I'm ready to help you because you you helped me already, right? And one of the, the people who helped me run the meetup, that's exactly what happened, you know? She came up after one of the earlier events and said, hey, you know what? Um, I came here and I noticed the, the sign-in sheet, you know, wasn't out until the middle. I'll bring the signing sheet next month and I can do this and I can set up a, you know, a newsletter for you and get this going. I said, cool. I didn't have to think she took a lot of the work off of my plate. That's adding value. So you have to truly add value to people and you get something out of it and you kind of have to know what you want to get out of it, but it starts with adding value first, you know, figure out how you can add value and I mean, honestly, just hitch your wagon to the right horse, right? If you yeah. can find the people who are doing things, moving, shaking, and, and going places, align with those people, connect with those people, and add, truly add value to them, and I think it'll help you in the long run.
1: Well, uh, listeners of this show and have, have heard me talk about that before because, uh, as you know, my partner, Matt... Matt used to run the meetup and I showed up and started stacking chairs exactly like that, you know, (laughs) running the front desk, you know, who wants to run the front desk? Nobody. But when you've got a few units and you want to hang around the people that, that are moving and shaking, as you said, do what you got to do, help out. And uh, from both of those, you know, Usually the person running the meeting has probably got some good stuff going on. There's a reason they're in that role to run that meeting and the connections because they're they're thinking next level about the connections and value and, and education. So why not connect with the p- person that's running a meetup? Go to your local meetup, find out who's running it or start your own and connect with those guys if you're looking for someone to work with.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So. John, I want to get into marketing a little bit because you, you know, as your role on the team for apartment complexes, you know, you told us that you help out with the marketing and doing market research. Of course, um, can you break down for us some of the things that um, maybe maybe we're not doing or maybe we're not thinking about as far as how we can better market our properties or bring that sort of marketing perspective to running our apartments?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, right? Because um, I think a lot of times, especially if you're in a smaller portfolio space, like six to 10 units, six to 12 units, you know, a lot of things you're doing are what we call kind of your your blocking and tackling. So it's going to be, you know, um, you're taking a look at your your rents, you know, when there's a vacancy, you're going to see, you know, maybe go to apartments.com or hot pads or wherever, you're going to get a general sense of where the market value is for your rents you know, put your property listed somewhere in that range and and hope you get it rented, right? Um, when you think of the marketing, I think a lot of times people don't understand the branding aspect of it. Um, we have a, a, a podcast sponsorship with a company called RentSync. I wanna be 100% transparent with that. But they have really helped me even as a marketing, you know, professional, really see the true value of like branding at a bigger level. And I mean, if, if you have a six unit, You should be marketing even more because you have the ability to stand out and create a brand that's different than every other six unit out there. So if you've got a 200 unit, six unit, all of these things apply. So the very first thing is branding. I think a lot of people misunderstand branding to focus on the logos, the color palettes and stuff like that. That's a part of it, but it's really just an expression of the brand. The brand is everything that you create. It is the essence of that experience. Um, it's, it's how quickly property management responds to a request. How quickly does maintenance respond? Um, what does the grounds look like? You talked about picking up trash. Okay, it, what does a property look like when I randomly drive by on a Tuesday afternoon? Um, all of those things are the brand. And the reality is we don't control our brand. A lot of people think they do, but you don't you know, other people see what what you put out there. And then that is the reflection of your brand. So I can control my messaging. I can tell you we have a very clean community. I can tell you that, you know, we have state of the art technology, but if you show up and that's not what the experience you get, that's not my brand to you, right? Even if 90% of the time everyone else, that's the experience they get, that's not the brand of you. Think about Apple, think about Nike. Think about Starbucks and think about the experience. Think about the consistency of that experience. And that's what you want to do. So if you are an operator of a a four unit, six unit building, you have the ability to stand out. One of the ways you can do that is with your your leasing, right? So right now where they're still doing a lot of virtual tours and uh, more photos and videos versus the in-person tour, how can you stand above and beyond the competition? How can you make your listing pop and stand out in a professional manner where someone gets the impression that they're gonna have a completely professional experience staying at your property versus the mom and pop owner who owns the building next door to you. you know? And that's gonna come through in the way you write your, your posting. That's gonna come through in the pictures, the video, if you actually offer a virtual tour. Because if I get a chance to do all of that for a six unit, I'm gonna imagine you guys are gonna answer my phone call to respond when there's a maintenance issue. If the website looks sloppy, if there's misspellings on the site, the pictures are a bit grainy. I'm getting the impression that you guys are probably not gonna really take care of me when I live at the property. These are all components of the brand. So whether you're a small owner or a big owner, if you've got 192 units that you're repositioning, if you're trying to push rents 200 bucks, 300 bucks, you need to demonstrate a premium experience. And that starts with that first interaction, whether it's on the website, or whether that's driving by the property. So all of those things are really key. And I think it's one of the biggest things that we need to think about and keep in mind as apartment owners and operators.
1: Absolutely. I love all of that. You know, I was just speaking to Gino Barbaro a few episodes ago, and and that's really what he preaches is the resident experience. And you're absolutely right. The brand is not just the signage and the logos and what color the buildings are, but the entire experience that the tenant goes through from that first Google search and website visit, uh, which I love that you pointed out about the photos and the easy to use site all the way through the phone calls, how we answer the phone, how we interact, how we do our virtual tours. And then, uh, you know, when they're tenants, right, we've got to take care of problems quickly, right? We want g- great Google reviews from everyone that are not forced or bought. We want tenants to really feel uh, part of the community and and um, feel like they, they belong and, and they want to spread the word. And you know, referrals are, are the best uh, source for that. And, and you don't get a referral unless you're taking care of the brand and you're taking care of that tenant experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's spot on. And, um, it, and it's key because again, it, it may feel like it's marketing, but it really is the essence of who you are, right? I mean, it starts at the absolute core of um, what your mission is, your vision is. And it's really just an expression of that mission or vision. If you don't have a mission or vision, that's going to be kind of clear too. You know, yeah, if I absolutely. just show you just doing a job trying to collect the rent, that's going to come through as well. So, I mean, the more you can embody the spirit of what you want to see, the clearer and easier it's going to be to build a brand that can attract and, and retain these tenants.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Well, John, that knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb on this one, I definitely appreciate it so much, so much that we can all learn from your story and and from your tips here. Um, You mentioned the podcast, please uh, let us know where we can listen to you and, and anything else you want to promote. Now's the time.
0: Yeah, listen, uh, the podcast is called Target Market Insights, the Multifamily and Marketing Show. Uh, it's twice a week. We spend a lot of time talking about multifamily and marketing and tips like we just talked about there. And then um, for, for folks who are maybe interested in scaling up, working with investors, maybe being a passive investor, if you are interested in learning more, I do have a sample deal package on my website. So it can give you a great sense of things to include in a deal or things to look for in a deal. But you can get that at casmancapital.com slash sample deal.
1: Oh man, so good. Now I'm going to put you on the spot. I did not tell you about this ahead of time. We're going to go with a true multifamily tip. So you've got someone who approaches John and says, John, I want to get into multifamily investing. Uh, Give me one good piece of advice about buying apartments or operating apartments. What is your advice to that person?
0: All right. So I think the biggest thing is, always have more money. Um, You want to have proper reserves. You want to plan for taxes and insurance to be higher than what definitely what the broker said. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) probably, probably even higher than you're projecting. So I think that's where a lot of people get nicked up. Uh, So make sure you have some reserve capital, that your expenses are actuals and not just some numbers you pulled out of your butt, or, you know, just came from the broker's OM. And I know you asked for one, but those are two. The third one that I would say is get the right team. And by the right team, you want people who have experience executing the business plan. So that's from your property manager to partners or whoever else you surround yourself with. You want to have people that have that experience. So you you get the right people in there. They'll help you navigate all the rest of the issues.
1: Awesome. Love it. Thank you so much, John. Guys, check out John's uh, website and company, Casman Capital Group. Please make sure you check out the podcast. And John, thanks again, man. We'll see you
0: soon. Absolutely. Thank you for me, Justin.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community, and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily. I'm really, really proud to have this show produced by our company, On Air Brands. Check us out at onairbrands.com. We also have an incredible, unique podcasting event that we would love for you to be a part of. Check that out at podmax.co.